We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Miss something from the Todd Feinberg Show? Listen to the podcast on WTIC.com slash podcast. Yeah, we're talking about this Waterbury police officer freaked out on a woman. Uh, His freaking out is inappropriate, but I don't know why he had to be fired. But, of course, there's stuff we don't know. Steve and Meriden. Hi, Steve. How you doing? Uh, I'm a crossing guard. I call all the other uh, programs, but uh, you hit my uh, button this afternoon. I was sitting at my post when you guys were talking about that. I had to get off to, you know, come home and call you guys. Good. I feel his pain. I mean, uh, you stand out there. You're taking your life in the line. And uh, we got uh, neon jackets, nice gloves, you know, hat, stop sign. People people don't care. It's, it's, the, it's the time of the, of the century. That, but do you think it's that people don't see and comprehend what's going on? They're not paying uh, that much attention? Sometimes they got a phone. Yeah. Sometimes they're not paying attention to your side. I work with two stop signs in my intersection. Uh, it isn't too bad because I got the third stop sign, but they don't realize I'm just like a school bus. If I go out there with that sign, that means everybody stops until I give them specific direction to move. Mm-hmm. And I don't do that until I get out of the street. <laughs> sure, a good idea. Yeah, well, I almost got run over today. The lady took off before I even got out of the street. I didn't even get past the last stripe in the in the crosswalk. You know, it's like... Uh, it's unbelievable. You wouldn't. Uh, you have to be there to see it sometimes. <laughs> well, I have heard about cops uh, having their lights on behind people on the road, wanting to get by, and people don't even notice. And I've yeah. seen this on the highway too. Over in the left lane, you've got somebody going a little slow, and the cops right on their butts, and they have no idea. Yeah, it took me uh, a few years to uh, calm down and let the thing slide. You know, you know what I mean. You just uh, don't. Uh, you know. So you had to work on your anger management. Yeah, basically, because you know, I'm a retired chef, and there's no democracy in the kitchen, you know. Well, that is true. I you could get... make Gordon Ramsay cry if I wanted to <laughs> when, I was, when I was a chef, you know. Well, that, that's <laughs> I, call, how... I, I call Will and everybody else every once in a while. I want to have you back, Steve, just so you can abuse people. Yeah, right. Uh, uh... That sounds like fun. Thank you so much for the call, 860-522-9842. Coming up, we're going to talk a little bit of uh, political philosophy from the Austrian School of Economics. It's the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. WTIC. All right, first guest of the the day is Brian Kane, social profit corrections. I want to learn about this. As you know, we focus a lot on corrections here. 
not because I'm particularly intrigued historically by corrections, but I am intrigued with government and how it does a disastrous job of so many things. And what we've learned through talking to prisoners is that one of the things they're particularly bad at and uncaring about is dealing with people who are incarcerated. So, Brian Kane, welcome to WTIC. Thanks for being here. Todd, thanks for having me. Tell us about what you do. Well, um, simply, we're a disruption to corrections. Um, I I come from a corrections background. I worked uh, 28 years in for-profit corrections. was a warden at five prisons across the U.S., um, possibly one of the most diverse experienced corrections leaders in the U.S., you know, and when you get to the warden desk and warden chair and you're, you're operating a city, which we call corrections, you know, I'm, I, I, it's, it's the responsibility of the leader to understand root cause of the problem so you can fix them. So I'm getting this good understanding of root cause of corrections, um, and then I'm getting frustrated because I'm looking around and, you know, people are dying. I mean, it's correction officer lifespan is 59 years old. I don't know if your listeners know that or if you know that, 59 years old. That's uh, a national kind of stat? It's a national stat, correct? Yeah, that's pretty terrible. So that suggests that there's a lot of uh, stress and anxiety and and maybe problems w- with violence on the job? It's just a toxic environment for everyone mm-hmm. that's in defense, whether it's the staff or the incarcerated folks. Um, you know, uh, three correctional officers commit suicide a week. Uh, you know, and nobody talks about the correctional officers. Um, but the reality is, is if we're going to fix corrections, we have to help the staff. We have to help the team. And we've got to empower them to actually have purpose versus what we do in today's culture of corrections is really a us versus them paramilitary kind of, of uh, you know, when things go bad, we'll react to it, uh, but yes. not necessarily be proactive. All right, so let me recap to, to see where we are. You you worked in several different jobs as a, as a CO, a correctional officer, a prison guard, and you worked your way up and became a warden. Was any of this in Connecticut? No, no, okay. it was... Uh, yeah, I worked at for-profit correction, so it was, um, you know, Tennessee, Ohio, Idaho, Arizona, Nevada, and New Mexico. Fascinating. Uh, so what are you doing now with your social profit corrections? What's the goal? Are you a consultant? Are you trying to teach people how to run prisons better? No, we actually are going to run prisons as a nonprofit. Your idea is to be the new operator, and what's your the philosophy that you've developed? Well, it's a we're bringing um, compassion to corrections, you know, and uh, you know to give people to help people that are incarcerated on the first time uh, around, bring resources to bear, um, whether it's from the government or from nonprofits or from volunteers, uh, you know, and we want to be the conduit, you know, and the foundation to to establish a different culture of corrections. Um, how do you sell that to a, who do you sell it to first and how do you sell that how do you how do you get that yourself in that position because it doesn't seem to me that uh if you were going into i don't know who you pitch this to do you pr- pitch it to private operators or do you pitch it to are you going straight to the states well we go straight i mean we're a direct competitor to private correction so okay needs to say they're, they're not going to be too open to it so you're talking um, the, directly to the state. If you talk compassion, I don't know that they're going to buy it. They're not motivated by compassion, are they? Well, there's there's a lot of benefits to the nonprofit model. One of them is fiscal. Um, it's it's significantly less expensive to use this idea than when it be to run it yourself. Uh, you know, so different people have different motivations for reform. Um, some are motivated by people. Some are motivated by money. 
Um, the reality is, is, is our solution is both. Uh, you know, we have to take care of the people. Uh, the people take, you know, uh, you know, we, we bring compassion to reform uh, and give people a fair chance that are incarcerated. Uh, and then they don't recidivate, you know, and the cost of society is for, uh, you know, 40 percent. You know, we have over too many people, two million people incarcerated. Of those two million, 95 percent are getting out in the United States. Uh, of that 95 percent, 40 percent of them have five to 10 previous incarcerations. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're just recycling people. In, yes. When they're when they get. Yes, out, that's the beauty of the business model for the government is it's a permanent business model and they they aren't inclined to change from from my judgment. So uh, I, I love the idea that you want to be the agent of change. I'm just curious about how you get them. Like if, if I'm the commissioner, the correctional commissioner in the state and you're pitching me, what's the. What's your um, elevator pitch for getting me to realize in like 30 seconds that you've got the best idea? We're a culture changer. Um, Just start with, does your system work? And no one's going to say yes to that question. Uh, Are you looking for for solutions, innovative solutions that are safe and secure, uh, but yet going to take care of the staff and take care of the incarcerated population and society? No one's going to say no to that. That, well, get specific, though. How do you do any of those things? That, that all sounds well, good, but it sounds vague, and, and I don't get it. Well, I go to the, the National Corrections Leaders Conferences, so all the heads of corrections are together, um, you know, and present. Really, it's about relationships. It's about getting them to trust me and trust us um, mm-hmm. that we are. I mean, I'm one of the most experienced corrections leaders, you know, in the U.S. So, you know, when I raise my hand and say, we have a better idea, um, are you interested? Most people will, will listen. You know, the reality is you have to get to the governors. Yeah, but the, 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 give me the meaty thing you tell them so that to get them interested after their initial interest, then you need a follow-up. And I want to know what that is. What exactly is different about your model? We, it, we, our change is we empower correctional officers to actually be helpers and coaches. Now, that sounds simplistic, but that is the root cause of our challenges in the United States. Isn't the root cause that there's no structure provided through which an inmate is incentivized to travel? No protocols through which he can demonstrate that he's somebody who can succeed in the outside world given the chance. And it it strikes me that if you take a prisoner, Brian, and from day one you just leave him locked up, you throw him in there, he's there for seven years, he serves his seven years and you let him out, that's... That's ridiculous, and that's how most prisons work in the country, what you described. They're, if you don't teach them anything, if you don't give them anything, you're getting nothing back but a more seasoned criminal. But the alternative to that would have to be that every day in prison, they're coming to forks in the road, and they get reinforced if they do the right thing, and they get penalized if they do the wrong thing. And over time, you you would sort through the prisoners who are going to have a good future and can succeed in the outside world and those who can't. Do you have some design like that, that or am I off base? No, you're, you're right on base. It's the, the you know, example, if you attend your sentence and the GED resources in the prison are so limited that you don't get access to education until year nine of your 10 years, uh, and then they try to run you through the education quick before you're released, well, you're sitting around for nine years with nothing to do, uneducated, um, and, you know, and, and replicating what got you in trouble in the first place when you were out. You know, with our model, uh, you come in, you don't have an education, you go straight to school. Because as a nonprofit, we can bring resources to bear uh, that the government can't or can't afford. Uh, you know, and so we bring in business efficiency, which is key, 
uh, and then take the, the benefit of those efficiencies and that revenue, the money, uh, and hire more teachers, uh, you know, pay the staff better. Um, you know, so, you know, we, we eliminate the red tape that the government in many ways can't. Okay, it costs, uh, well, let me reintroduce here. Brian Kane is our guest. Social Profit Corrections is his organization. It's a nonprofit wanting to run correctional institutions on behalf of states. Is that the right way to describe it? States and federal and local. Jails also, yes. Okay. Now, you've got a big background in corrections, specifically Education sounds like a great thing, but again, you've got these behaviors. You need to do some reprogramming, I think, for people who are have certain behaviors ingrained that are self-destructive ones. Is that your take? Is that an accurate perception? And, and how do you reprogram people? You don't just have them go to school, I don't think. That doesn't do the job. You've got to teach them how to be successful people who aren't making excuses for themselves but are actually improving themselves well you're 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 right um it, it's a culture change so it's you know and I, I could give examples of how that's going to work within a nonprofit model but the reality is is we're a first principle solution you have to break it down to the basic components and rebuild the system uh you can't small tweak here small tweak there it just won't work uh you have to rebuild the culture from the ground up you know, and a culture of a facility that's based off of respect and dignity, that's based off of of encouragement, coaching uh, from the correctional officer on up, uh, a system that's based off of help, uh, hope, and opportunity. You know, which is what our government system, in many cases, lacks. Uh, you know, My so, feeling about the government system is that really everyone's happy. Like if you're an incoming governor in the state of Connecticut, uh, my sense is that you come into office and you look for a, correct, a, com, a commissioner of the Department of Corrections who has credentials that cover your butt so that if anybody, if anything bad happens, you've got a good story to tell about what an experienced uh, commissioner you have. And you want to have a really good resume so you can wave it in the air and talk about what a good job you did in your hiring. And then you tell that guy, make sure there's no trouble, make sure there's no news that gets into the papers, and we'll be fine. You and I get along great. And then he never pays attention to it again unless he has to have a press conference, and then he has the commissioner come in and do the dog and pony show. How do you get from that world to one where they actually want to uh, have fewer people in prison for sixty grand a year and cut the recidivism rate when uh, there's not really any incentive for them to do those things? I think the key is proof of concept. Um, you know, we, we, you know, we're still a relatively new idea. Um, by the way, we're the first of our kind actually in the world. And, you know, we're going to, someone's going to trust in us, you know, and we're talking to quite a few states right now, uh, work in that direction where we're just going to start the first one. We're going to pause. We're going to measure outcomes. We're going to be transparent. Do you know, um, do you have that and, one lined up? Do you know where you're going? Well, there's, there's three states we're talking to right now, but I can't, okay. I can't go beyond No, I don't that. want, I don't care what they are. I'm just curious if you have one, but you're close. You're we're, saying. We're close. We're closer. I will say that. Okay. But we have to find a governor, you know, um, in all reality, that is open to new solutions. You know, in the rea- and if once this works, and it will. Um, I mean, our team is filled with some of the top experienced corrections leaders in the United States. When this works, they get credit for it. Um, you know, and more importantly, society gets the benefit of it. But once we show you know, proof of concept, measure our outcomes, 
our recidivism level is significantly less than the governments or privates. Our violence is less. Our education is, you know, is higher um, enrollment. Uh, our mental health treatment is innovative and unique and effective. And I can go on and on. Um, but once we show this one place, you know, we show, we prove to the country that this concept works, it's going to grow. Um, you know, and our intention is not to run. It's to show the government that there is a better way of running prison. Oh, no, there's no doubt that once you can get the model going, that it'll be irresistible because you'll save a fortune if you're if you can get them to not keep people in prison who don't need to be kept in prison and if you can demonstrate to them that you can measure who's going to be a productive citizen and who's ready to be outside the walls exactly you know and and we're coming from private corrections which is a little unique because you do the traditional government corrections and then you're also a private business person you're a ceo yeah. uh, it's so it's it's more challenging so our team is filled with those kinds of folks that were quite successful on the contract side but their heart is in helping people you know and so it's just a just a matter of time uh, before we have proof of concept we prove to the country this works uh, and then we grow from there that's awesome all right brian thank you for taking the time to fill us in it's fascinating Todd, thank you for having, having me on the show. Appreciate it. Loved having you on. This is, uh, we want to find out all the good stuff that could be happening in government because there isn't much, so we've got to focus on it. Brian Kane, Social Profit Corrections. He's been in the business of corrections but wants to change the way that world works. 860-522-9842. We'll talk more after news. Right now, though, we're going to the BPS Lawyers Traffic Center. Mark Christopher, what's happening? T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Miss something from the Todd Feinberg Show? Listen to the podcast on WTIC.com slash podcast. Todd with you, WTIC. Yep, this is our clip of the day. It's fun stuff when a, when a cop goes I can't believe you. over the top. A week before Christmas, I almost get ran over. All right. Yeah. It's calmer now. 
because the backup has arrived. I got two kids at home waiting for me to come home tonight. Sir, I'm very but still, he can't stop. Sorry, doesn't break it. You looked right at me and still decided to drive by me. <laughs> no, you weren't. I was in the middle of the intersection. Emotionally. They asked if he was hurt, and he said emotionally, which was really the truth of it. There was, uh, you know, the other cop I perceive was trying to get to the bottom of what was going on. Like, why was he so upset, this Waterbury cop, who got fired for this incident that took place in December? I suspect that he had some history with not being able to control his rage, which is unfortunate because I would think that before you fired somebody, you could put them into counseling and get this straight. Now, you just can't absorb. If you're going to be in a stressful line of work, you can't absorb all that stress. You can't have a one-to-one ratio of bumps in the road and, and uh, jag, you know shaking of the car. You've got to have shock absorbers. Humans need shock absorbers so that you don't let the bumps get to you. Leave your purse in the car. Where do you work? I work for a clothing company in California. What are you doing here today? I'm going to Target. You're going to Target? Yeah, do a pickup. What is such an important factor that me standing in the middle of the street Sir, stopping swear. you and you try to run me over? Sir, I swear. And then no, you looked at me, you waved at me, I, and I, then you kept going anyway. I, I swear I was not trying to run you over. I thought you were... Cars were going. I'm telling you to stop in the middle of the street and hand. you wave at me I, and keep going. I I saw your hand before and I, it was too late to stop. And no, it wasn't. You were doing 10 I'm miles sorry. an hour and you still drove by me. I'm so, you didn't even sir. attempt to stop your car. You know, it's not a debate club. If you have to write a citation, you write the citation. Come on, man. Still, I don't know why he was fired. I don't know why they couldn't uh, work him through it. 860-522-9842. We're going to the BPS Lawyers Traffic Center. Now, back to the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080. It is the NJ Diet Studio. I get skinnier just talking. 860-522-9842. Drop me an email, todd at toddtalk.com. Follow me on Twitter, at Todd Talk. Red Janky joins us every week at this time. He writes uh, amazing columns at the-red-line.com, the-red-line.com. Red Janky, how are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing great, Todd. The, um, the governor, you're calling him nasty names. What's going on? Hey, you know, Todd, um, it, it may be a nasty name to him because I've just... Uh, um, uh, labeled him as a Republican's Republican. <laughs> and why is that? Well, did you listen to his State of the State address? I listened week? to some of it, yeah. Uh, let me read a few quotes, okay? Um, Connecticut's permanent fiscal crisis is over as long as we maintain the same fiscal discipline as has been in place over four years. Of course, that was imposed by the budget reforms that were 
instituted in 2017 before he even announced that he was running for his first term. But, but, but wait a sec. Are you accepting his premise that the state's in good financial condition? Well, it, 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 let's take a balance sheet approach, which is a snapshot in time. So let's ignore where you and I would agree we're headed, which is not a good place. But let's look at the place we are in right now, and we have to acknowledge it's 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 a good place. The, well, it's uh, only a good place on a on a annualized basis, on a budgetary basis. But yeah, I mean, terms, you take. But why is that even? Time. Why is that even relevant? Okay, I have way too much debt, and I'm going to declare bankruptcy at some point in the near future, but I have enough to pay my bills this year. Yeah, why, not, is, why is I'm that good? illiquid yet. Right. Why okay. is that so good let's news? let's stipulate that that's a, quote, good place, okay? Well, I would stipulate now, to the opposite. Now, let's listen but okay. to what more Lamont had to say, okay? He said, my fiscal priorities are economic growth because growth is the precondition <laughs> to opportunity. Todd, if ever there were a, an articulation of the single central GOP principle, it is opportunity through growth. This is coming out of Ned Lamont's mouth. Okay. Yep. So it this is the Republican. Says, this is why you called him a Republican. He's a Republican's Republican Okay. for an instant in time. Now, l- let's recognize something. He is talking the talk. Let's wait and see if he walks the walk. But listen to the talk. I'm going to achieve growth through getting people back to work. What Republican would disagree with that? Mm-hmm. He goes on, the next four years should be focused more upon recovery, less on rescue, less on lifelines, and more on ladders to success. These are Republican lines. Yeah. He tore the central play out of GOP playbook. Yeah, but why why did he do that, do you think? For the and middle class. Why is there anything good about any of the stuff he's saying if he's saying it when he doesn't put any of it into practice? Well, you know, he's he's he has staked some ground here pretty dramatically in the central address that he gives. He gives two central addresses each year. Um one is the state of the state, and the second in it is his budget um, address, which will come in about a month. So, you, you know, I think, I think you're suggesting and implying very strongly that um, everything he says in his state of the state is going to be aspirational. And no, it's then, just a statement of what, you, what a responsible governor would do, and he won't do it. Well, that's what we'll see when the budget address is given in a month's time, because then he's going to have to um, confront actual fiscal reality. But he's talking about a meaningful tax cut for the middle class. I mean, you cannot articulate tax policy that's more Republican than that. So do you see some political opportunity in him uh, staking out such GOP territory because he is he is talking like a Republican governor would talk, but then he has a uh, a woke legislature that can't wait to spend more money on everything based on the race uh, or or demographics of the people it 
it's pandering to, more specifically giving gifts to voters who vote for Democrats. So I don't understand how you reconcile all this unless the idea is to keep the irresponsible spending going and just hand off the debt to the next guy, like always happens. Well, um, you're forcing me on to the next chapter, which is uh, talking in, in anticipation of what the budget address uh, will have to. Yeah, what, what is it you anticipate for the budget address? Well, the budget address, A, number one, um, is going to have to confront, although I don't think it will, okay? But um, what it must confront if it were confronting reality is that 26% of last year, last fiscal year's revenue came from a roaring stock market in 2021. At least half of that's going to disappear. Mm-hmm. I mean, $6.5 billion of revenue came from estimates and finals, so-called, and the pass-through entity tax, both of which capture investment income. There are going to be no investment gains for 2022. I have been writing about this, as you know, for many months. You've been telling Um, us this. And uh, now it's in the can, so to speak, in in movie talk. Um, 2022, the movie has been shot. It's done. Okay? We know that the S&P is down, was down 20% in 2022, and the NASDAQ was down 34%. You don't generate gains when a stock market collapses like that. So minimum three three and a quarter billion dollars of revenue has to disappear. Mm-hmm. It just has to. What is the official state forecast for that revenue decline from, from last fiscal year? A mere one billion. That's the latest. That's from the state controller's letter of January third. So the state of Connecticut is denying the fiscal reality that you're saying will have to be addressed in the governor's budget address in a month. In in my humble opinion, the they are counting at least almost two and a half billion dollars of revenue that will that doesn't not exist be there. And when will that reality have to be faced? Thank you for that setup, because here we get into budget process, okay? By tax law, federal tax law, and therefore state tax law, um, investment gains, which are are non-withheld, there are two broad categories of individual income tax revenue. One is what's held from your paycheck, if you receive a paycheck. And two is all other income that you generate. And you have to pay quarterly filings. You have to file quarterly and make a quarterly payment um, by by estimate. And the estimate should be 25% in each of those four quarters of what you're going to owe. The last quarter is due next week on the the 16th, by which time um, all investment income from 2022 – has to be reported and payment made on any gains that there are. So as of next week, 
the returns will come in and they will show that there were virtually no gains. And they will show that the the six and a half billion dollars of revenue collapsed to three and a half, three, two and a half, or two billion. It, From to, capital to gains. To argue and, otherwise is to deny so they the will, existence of gravity. So in the in the budget address in a month, this will be clear, and the truth now, will have to no, be told? No, no, it won't. Because budget process in this state calls for a what's called a consensus revenue forecast. That is prepared by in the executive branch by the Office of Policy and Management, so-called mm-hmm. OPM, uh, in in uh, cooperation with the Office of Fiscal Analysis, which is in the legislature. Those two offices um, must agree on a revenue forecast. Their revenue forecasts must come out on dates certain. The next one comes out next week. They can't possibly have counted and processed the tax returns that will come in next week. Right. So this is time to allow them forecast next week. So would you think this is uh, this forecast will hide this reality that you're alluding to, Red? Uh, of course, they're going to. What they're going to say is, based on the data that we have in hand, we're sticking to the forecast. But why do? How do they benefit through this denial? We're talking to Red Janky, the dash red dash line dot com. If if they, I would think that the sooner they get it on the table, the better off they are. It, no, they're you know this is this is a state with zero accountability for efficient and um, straight, taught, accurate government. Yeah, but even even if it's just one news cycle, why not prepare by getting rid of a billion out of that two and a half that you're saying isn't going to be accounted for that we're going to lose in revenues? Let's see. Um, The official state budget does call for $1 billion less than was received in 2021. So instead of 6.5, it calls for 5.5. Okay. But remember, we're not talking about less revenue from the stock market. You're talking about no revenue. We're talking revenue. about losses. Right. We're going past zero. I mean, there are some... Um, all right, so give us the short version of all this, because it's getting to be a lot to listen to. What exactly is your point, Red? The point is that uh, the, the, the governor and the legislature will continue on in blissful ignorance of reality, despite that the data will come in beginning next week, but they're only forecasting next week. The next forecast is due in April. Mm-hmm. They go dark until April on an official revenue forecast. Okay. Now, as the revenue comes in, they count it and report it. But it's 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 a case where they may get eighty percent of the revenue in, um, and then say, "Well, we're still expecting the same amount of revenue." It's not until they go over the actual forecast amount that they then adjust their forecast up. Or it's not until 
past April 15, when everyone is to have reported all their taxable income and all taxes have been paid, that they will say, whoopsie, we came up $3 billion short. Mm-hmm. They'll hold out until the end. But they must have a plan for that, so they know what they're going to say come April. Because they know, know what the truth is, even if they're not going to share it. In hand. What's that? And the Department of Revenue Services will slow walk the processing of these returns. But at some point, the truth is there. Why do they benefit? It's not an election year. It, it, it's, it is. Todd, my analysis and answer to your question is this. Um, if Lamont were to address this straight up in his budget address, he would have to acknowledge formally in a major address the the that, yeah, he that could say we're in a bad economy of, revenues um, are down here's the new number yeah no what he would say is he'd have to reverse himself on the Connecticut comeback he'd have well, to reverse so what himself it's all on, a joke anyway well you know he doesn't think so Todd. well he, he knows it's a lie so well, and, now wait a second you're you're you may be assuming too much about what the governor knows Okay. Well, somebody must have suggested to him what the truth so is. They, Red, we got to go. If they come up in April and say, whoopsie, we made a mistake, it's not a major address. It just gets dribbled out, and, and no, no, nobody comprehends it. Attention. Yeah, but uh, that's, <laughs> it, it keeps getting worse. Under I, it, it would strike me that this is the, uh, this is the slow removal of the Band-Aid from maximal pain. Red Janky, check them out at the-red-line.com. Thank you, Red, for the update. We'll talk to you again next week. Wow. 860-522-9842. We've got rants coming up. The rant line number 860-751-4698. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 